question. All right. Um, hey, welcome to Dune Dudes. Where your dudes talking about Dune? Where your dudes serving up piping hot plates of Dune weekly on the regular. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Pre- pretty regular, yeah. You're, we've talked about that before, but we do pretty good, actually. We do yeah, good. I mean, we've 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 really even said that it's the pretty much the most regular project we've ever done together. I feel like it's the most regular I've ever been. Yeah. You know, like even when I have a lot of like fiber in my diet, uh-huh. and I'm drinking coffee every morning and eating bananas. I feel more regular doing this than that. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think uh, we are so regular these days, it's not funny. It's not. If it were funny, I don't think it'd be regular. No. Right, like to be regular is to be like... Um, I mean, I guess you could have something that's regularly funny, but I feel like, you know, if you if consistency kind of like breeds a, a banality to it. Yeah. You know? Okay, Leto. <laughs> okay, Mister God Emperor. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole magical universe out there, man. You know, um, you can't just be uh, cooped up podcasting all day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so. but I mean, yeah, that's because this is a very unfunny podcast for the most part. Yeah. Just very boring. And, oh, you know, but it, it was never our aim to be funny. No, no, if we, anyone, we want to be informative. Yeah. If anyone gets like a, a chuckle or a giggle, um, even a chortle, even just the odd chortle out of this show. Yes. I'd say that is. You know, that's just gravy. That's just icing on the cake. I, I would go one further and say that's that's them missing the point. You know? Like, that's... I don't support it. I don't support the chortle. Yeah. I mean, especially you're the anti, You're anti-chortle, then. Is that it? I yes. Just want, on I, the record. I, I am, uh, uh, you know, no chortling or... Uh, no chortling allowed in my household is what I have always said. Yeah. What I've always been taught to, to believe. It's the proper yeah. way. It is one of the strangest ways to laugh. Yes. Or, or one of the weirdest words to describe. You know, it's like like a giggle kind of sounds like what it is. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, a giggle, you know, you, you giggle and it's like a giggle, right? You know? Yes. That's the, the best explanation there is. Uh, but a chortle... I think someone British came up with that. It's a yeah. It seems like a British word. It's you can kind of just like feel it. You know, you can feel what a chortle would be. Yeah. When you say it, you like. It's not <laughs> something I can like. I could reenact, but it's yeah. I can yeah. feel it in my bones. Yeah, I don't. And the thing is, I don't think anyone can like chortle on demand. Like, I can't show no. you an example of chortling. Yeah. It's something that 
you need to do in the moment. Yeah, I it's think. it's it's kind of like the um the equivalent it's, of it's it's a bit of a smarmy laugh too. Isn't yes, it? it is. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Like if you're chortling, you're you know maybe you're like uh you know you're like a bully. You're like picking on someone and and you chortle at someone's expense. You know, it's not a good laugh. Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's it's a lot of times it is at somebody else's expense. Um, what I was going to say though is that it is definitely like the equivalent of like a queef, <laughs> you know, like in the laugh equivalent, the, the the laugh equivalent of a queef. Yeah, that's 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 always the impression I got. Yeah. I wish that we had a British person here to bounce this also off of, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, we they're they're not here to defend themselves. No. No, which is fine. Um, I don't think I don't think they need a defense necessarily. I just think it would be like we might be able to get to the bottom of it a little. Yeah, they might be a little more accuracy. But I I like where your head's at. They may be um, more experienced in in both chortling and queefing. Yeah. They might be. Um, yeah. We just don't know. We just and don't know. We may never know. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, some some things are not meant to be learned. No. Or figured out. No. Lita would agree. Life is not a lesson. Have you... That's one of the, the handful of albums I've, I've listened to from 2020. Oh, is that um? What's the band again? Glitterer. Glitterer, yes, yes. I, yeah, do, I, yeah. I, I have listened to one that. Of yeah. the, one yeah. of the guys from Title Fight. Yep. Um, yep. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. In fact, they had an album. I'm blanking on if it was last year or 2019, even. But um, I listened to that one too and thought it was really good. That was their first nice. one. Now, um, I love that they're short. They're yes. They're both. I I don't even know if they're. Uh, reaching thirty minutes. If they do, it's not much over. No, yeah, cool. they're 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 very tight and concise, and uh, you know, kind of like a like lo-fi kind of. Yeah, sound. it's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's easy for me because you know, if I'm not chortling or queefing or listening to music, I'm probably reading Dune. You know. Yeah. Or playing Final Fantasy, but like for the sake of the bit. I'm, you know, I'm reading Dune. You know what I mean? You you are reading Dune, yeah. So, you know. And actually, we, we're doing pretty good. We're, I think we're just over, just over a third of the way through. Yeah, no, I I I saw after I finished this uh this section, we we're kind of plowing through this. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think it's because the chapters are are longer. They are. It seems like. On average, like the, the the five chapter chunks themselves are kind of averaging like somewhere between forty and fifty pages. Yeah, it looks like I think. Which like um, before we were averaging like twenty five. Literally, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it it's definitely adding up. Um, if if this is a long section, I think it's possible for us to like just get to halfway. But in in two weeks at the least, we'll be we'll be uh probably just over halfway through the book, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's freaking awesome yeah i know i I, uh it's it's kind of like breezy too because it's 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 very fun and action oriented so yeah but before we go any further 
Yes. We uh, need to bring in the dancing lobsters. I think you mean the dancing sandworms. Oh, boy. That is what I meant. Bring out the dancing sandworms. Could you imagine um, an Amanda show set on Arrakis? <laughs> if it were set on Arrakis, it would just be the duh show. Yeah, yeah, the the duh show. Yeah, that's 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 true. Or or Anda or something like that. Yeah, Anda. That's yeah. a bit more Dooney. There yeah. we go. I, I took it too far. Maybe in like another fifteen hundred years, they'd be in duh level. Yeah, we'll we'll see where Anda. We'll see where we're at in Chapter House. Yeah, but this is this is the Anda section. This I is think the Anda right. section. Um, all right, so we're gonna try this thing. We're gonna try and do the uh, the theme song, which yeah. as of as of this point, we have not really successfully been able I, to sing I'm, it together. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna remind the ladies and gentlemen of the jury that uh, no version of any theme song has ever been successfully executed I sure don't, i don't think they're they're all flawed in their own beautiful way you know is, is that not why we choose to do it live every podcast yeah to capture the the unique mistakes in in each performance i agree that's always been my 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 motive well Without further ado, mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do it. Just, just follow the music. Copyright strikes. Another scattered people coming back from outer space Reminds me of the golden path Humans fled from Leto's wrath Has everyone forgotten their purpose in this life? Duncan's memories have been erased Reverend Mother's repeat mistakes well Learn from the past and present heretics of Dune Story to tell and we are reading They see the past and present and the future too Get back to Rackus, heretics of doom Alright Nice We did it That sounded it sounded good singing through it that Yeah, solid. it did Yeah It sounded pretty alright Hopefully it uh, comes out okay I on the recording and, and, and we uh, Probably not I mean, and more importantly, hopefully we don't get any copyright strikes because it's a it's a parody, okay? It's okay to post these things and parody them. That's the that's a, that's the law. Yeah. Ask any lawyer. <laughs> you know. You, you uh, I know. You, that's the letter of the law. Yeah, you know. What Go to the, YouTube and and you'll notice that you know if you put in the description, oh, this is a parody. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not making any money off of this, then you know they're yeah. they're those they're they're allowed to be, uh, you know, stay up on the website. Maybe we need to start putting that in the Heretics of Doom descriptions. Mm, like, that's hey, a good idea. hey, lawyers, this is a parody. This is a very work good of idea. Parody. Yeah, because they're not going to listen this far in. They're going to get to the chortle queefing bit and be like, "This is." Well, that's actually to our advantage because they might 
be, get to that point. Like there's no there's no copyright material you're, in, in here, anyways. Yeah, that, that's right. And and as we all know, um, the way that they flag copyrighted material is they just have someone whose job it is to listen through. Yeah, the lawyers. Everything on the internet. Yeah, Apple's lawyers. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. Uh, well, we did it. All right. So, so Dune. Dune. Heretics now we can get to the really, the really unfunny part. Yes. Yeah. Our business Dune time. dudes. Colon. Heretics of Dune dudes. Yeah, baby. Um. I'm just gonna quickly pull up my notes. I don't know if there's anything. Oh, there are a couple things. Okay. Well, let's go through this chapter. Um, you know, per, as as usual, we will refresh each other's uh, shit memories. Yes. But this this chapter starts. This is Teg. Um, he seems a little. He seems a little shaken. Honestly, it feels like after his. After his conversation with Odrade, and especially in the wake of finding out that <clears throat> she is his daughter, um, he he seems to be having some trouble focusing, right? Yes. In fact, he even mentions like he hasn't felt this way since his training days. So it's been like centuries, probably since he's felt this out of sorts it's a pretty pretty big uh like marker to put to put in his feelings you know this isn't just a small thing he's like connor i gotta pause it one second Uh uh-oh uh-oh and we're back everything's okay i didn't even realize you had that paused i would have thought that you wanted to keep that going but, uh, all right, cool, 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 cool. I don't really remember if you got anything that I said before, but, um, Tig's, Tig's kind of fucked up because he you, can't you remember really what chapter he, you uh, fucked me up. <laughs> Tig can't remember what chapter, uh, <laughs> he started on. Oh my God. Okay. Th- this, this last week. Tig, Tig, Tig is off balance. After having the conversation with Odrade about her being his daughter. Yes. And all that. Mm -hmm. He feels like he hasn't felt this way since his training days, which would have been, you know, probably at least two centuries ago minimum. But like, you know, probably longer than that. Yeah. Um, So... he, He ends up kind of getting lost in his own memories. He has this conversation. He has this this flashback where him and Taraz are having a conversation after they like worked together to avoid, uh, you know, something that could have turned into a much greater conflict. Um, so, like it to history, it's like it never even occurred. It's very minor. It doesn't matter. But Teg has this very strong memory of like all the work he had to put in to circumvent 
what could have exploded into, you know, something much more major. It sounds yeah. like. So, you know, that, that's kind of interesting in and of itself. Um, but part of what sparks the memory too, uh, where's this line? Um, Oh, here we go. Tag recognized the smell as she handed him his glass. Or actually, sorry, this is part of the flashback. Yeah. But I'm going to read the line. Tag recognized the smell as she handed him his glass. It was a quick source of energy, a pick-me-up that the Bene Gesserit seldom shared with outsiders. I just wanted to mention that line because I think it's coffee. Oh, it might be I coffee. I think it's just coffee. Yeah, it could be coffee. I mean, you know, we know that coffee has been named by name in the Dune universe before, but maybe uh, at this point, you know, maybe it's 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 just a nameless mystery uh, Bene Gesserit drink. Right. Yeah, I mean, just, just the idea of like, you know, obviously there are other, uh, a myriad of drinks today that you could describe as a quick pick-me-up. Yes. But I feel like with Herbert writing specifically, and like you're saying, with the way coffee has been featured in Dune before, which obviously you and I appreciate very much. We do. Probably part of the reason we we grew so endeared to Dune so fast. Oh, I think you know? so. Yeah, that that first coffee mention was was a uh, you know, big moment for us. Yeah. But uh Yeah, creamy so, brown so my liquid, yeah. was that it's just coffee. Yeah. That sounds right to me. So, I I thought that was kind of funny. Right, might be, might not be, but uh Anyways, the the conversation itself, I don't remember very well, but there's this other part of it that I want to um focus in on. On my copy, it's page 153. I think it's the first mention of the word heretic in the book. And, of course, the book is called Heretics of Dune. So this jumped out at me. I'm going to read this quickly, too. I don't Um, think it is, but it might be. I guess it might. It could not be. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just you know heresy is referred to maybe that's but uh yeah it it might be the first time heretic is actually said yeah i mean if it's not that that's also possible obviously um but it's the first time then that i felt like i want to draw attention yeah if it if it isn't um but they're talking about tag has been taught by his mother more than the bene gesserit order would have allowed her to, you know? And so Terraza says a wise woman, but another heretic. That's all we seem to be breeding nowadays. Heretic. He was caught by resentment. That's a private joke in the sisterhood. Terraza said, we're supposed to follow a mother superior's orders with absolute devotion. And we do except when we disagree. Yeah. Um, so I I like I like that line and that description of a of a heretic too, because um, obviously we're getting like a lot of like religious content in this book too, which is like where you would traditionally 
I think, use the the term heretic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that the sisterhood use it as like a joke. And also that Terraza pretty much lays out, it's just anyone who disagrees with the main flow of things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so of course, like Schwangyu could be described as a heretic, of course, mm-hmm. but like, depending on the perspective of people, like so, so many people could be considered heretics by others who would not consider themselves to be heretics and, and so on and so forth. Like even Odrade, like even just like, struggling with her emotions within the the order as like a reverend mother could be considered like to be a kind of heretic you know yeah Um, that's true and so i just feel like in this book where we've been drawing a lot of attention to individuals and the way that they act in opposition to like these bigger power structures or these bigger organizations that they exist within the name Heretics of Dune feels like it's like becoming more clear to me and like becoming more fitting as we yeah. go through the story. If no, that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, we could apply this to the many different uh, factions or groups that we are dealing with here. Um, all colliding on Dune. Yes. And we'll have to, you know, there's a lot more setup for these collisions yeah. in the in the later chapters, but yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no, you're right. That's that's. I mean, that does seem to be what we are. What what the the title is signifying, at least in one way. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, there's that. Um, the rest of this chapter, there's a big focus on prescience and Taraza talking about the way that Muad'Dib saw the future, the way that Leto saw the future. Like we talked this about this last chapter or last section too. Um, but she, she brings it up again here too. Um, and, and they kind of talk about, the the pitfalls of it no surprises tag said exactly if you possessed such foreknowledge your life would become an unutterable bore you think muad'dib's life was a bore um and the tyrants too we think their entire lives were devoted to trying to break out of chains they themselves created so, I don't know. They just have, like, this big philosophical discussion. It's cool to see people talk about Leto. It's cool to see people talk about Muad'Dib still. It's cool for them to, like, have these musings on the nature of prescience within the book and, like, the way that the characters in the the Dune universe itself, like, kind of have to grapple with these larger-than-life, uh, you know, characters who, who shaped the universe that they're living in yeah um one one other thing though i'm not sure if if it's just my copy but um they spell muad'dib wrong like a lot it's spelled muad'dib 
How do they spell it in yours? M A U D, dib. Oh, dude, that's in mine too, and, and I just passed over it. It's it's like whenever Terraza mentions him or like thinks that like, or no, I guess I guess for Mahmoud. tag two, but 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 you know it happens here and then in, in a later chapter too. Um, so yeah, I'm just like with well, that. That's that's a uh, sloppy, sloppy shit. Unless yeah, some people call him mod theory on how names change. You're gonna say the yeah, yeah yeah. That's what I thought too. If I I thought that it could potentially some people could call him mod dib, but it's it's spelled correctly sometimes and sometimes it's not. So I I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it would be such like a subtle change if herbert was going to try and make that point you would want to make it probably a little more clear than yeah that, you know so yeah yeah but i i uh, glazed right over that so good catch yeah Did not even my eyes just like pat you know pass right over that with like when like when you read one of those fucking images where the word is spelled wrong but like you only realize it after the image tells you. Yeah, because like, because your brain fills in the rest after you just see the beginning. So yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, well, I did. <laughs> but you're totally right. Mine yeah, it, it just it was weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That Get better editors, weird. Frank. Come on. Yeah. What the hell? I ain't right. Um. Anyways, at the end of this conversation, within the flashback, um. I, I think he kind of gets to this point, something about this conversation, like, fi- fixes Teg or, or uh, like, realigns him in a way yeah. that it feels like he can function again. It, I mean, it, I, I feel like it does more than that. It, it brings him to a new level, kind of. Yeah, uh, you're right. He does mention that. He's... He can like call upon this memory of when like the universe like crystallized for him. Yeah, yeah. And it feels it's, like he can he can like see that even now. You're yeah, right. it it seems like it's a puzzle piece that was meant to be put together at this certain point to give him that extra power to draw from. You know, he says at the end that Terraza did this deliberately. She has amplified me. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it's it's like a seed that she plants within him a long time ago, only for it to to bloom, you know, at this very moment. I see. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately, since this is the first chapter of our section, and I I did read it in some pretty wide, you know, spaced out chunks. Uh, I don't remember the specifics very well, and I don't want to spend all my time looking through it. Uh, is there anything about their conversation that that you feel like sparks this in him, or do you think it's just like a almost like a code that like that activates? Yeah, that's a you know good I mean? question. Um, I I think it's I think it's just you know the combination of the words she is saying in this in the conversation make more sense to him. I mean, you know, it ends with, uh, you know, um, the Ixian beliefs, uh, or or no, she says that th- that their universe does not act of itself, but performs according to the kinds of experiments they choose. 
in that she is kind of looking or or kind of believes the universe is kind of like self-actualizing kind of like what we were talking about last week or week the week before you know before that in, in reference to prescience yeah um belief fixes a granular universe and causes that universe to persist i think that's kind of the 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 name of the game because because in his kind of um epiphany you know he's he says there i am both a performer and the performed so i it's it's a uh, it's not crystal clear but there there yeah. is a lot of the of, of that magical universe talking and uh um yeah so i think it's i think he he kind of changes his understanding of of time and of the universe itself in action and reaction and that kind of thing yeah and and hearing you go over it too it sounds like um i i think the way that the whole like leto muadib thing fits into it where teraza says Ma that, like, yeah thank you Ma, maud yeah. dib um was like she has this point that they kind of spend their whole lives trying to break out of uh, chains that they themselves created, right? Mm-hmm. And I think she kind of likens that to to the Ixians and their own beliefs. Yeah. She's pretty much like, well, the Ixians uh, believe in their view and model of the universe to a fault, you know, where they're, they can't be open to accepting new information. And yeah. it sounds like Taraz is kind of like has has this idea of uh like like there's a there's a power in in being open and understanding that like the universe is incomprehensible you know that like by acknowledging that you don't know everything you know that you can you can more readily find like different solutions to things or, or, or different answers that the universe is showing you. You know, it, it is kind of like what we said before where um, like with the priesthood too, uh, where it's like if, if they were truly open, the priests on rack is if they were truly open, um, then would they not accept Shiana as she was, but instead they, they can't comfortably fit what she's saying and doing into their, into their, their worldview that that existed beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so the worldview can't change the facts that they are receiving have to be warped to fit that. We did discuss that. Yeah. So I think Terraza is reinforcing that like the Ixians, but to a wider level, right? Like the Ixians believe X, Y, and Z about the universe. And those things cannot be changed. So anything that comes into that needs to be warped to fit that. And the Bene Gesserit or Terraza specifically is like, well, our our strength is that we don't have these concrete beliefs. That we we can be open to like the flux and the flow of the universe as like this cosmic being. And, yeah, and I think so. gain our strength from that. And I think Teg kind of um maybe gets his mind opened a little on that yeah yeah no, I, th- I think you're right and uh i think the challenging of that faith 
is kind of where we see these heretics come into play too. Yes. You know, they're, they're, they're born out of this tension. Right. Yeah. To, to be questioning like the, the status quo or the establishments that surround them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so even if Terraza is giving us advice, it doesn't mean that she's totally immune to that kind of thing. I mean, the Bene Gesserit plan is, is a uh, kind of a hard line. And if you cross it, then, then, uh, you know, you you are a heretic. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, yeah, that, that's absolutely sure. It's definitely like up to a point. And the Bene Gesserit do have like their fixed beliefs, just like all people do. Yeah. Um, you know, Terraza herself, it, it's weird. We don't, it sounds like because she's the mother superior, the majority of the Bene Gesserit order probably skew more towards her line of thinking than like yeah. Shangyu's. You know, like that she's probably the offshoot. But, you know, it's possible that the, the Bene Gesserit that we know from the past um, is not the Bene Gesserit that we have now, you know. Yeah. Uh Shwengyu could very well be like representative of like the old order of the Bene Gesserit from like the first Dune book and and onwards and Taraza kind of represents this uh growth within them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean we we uh you know, we don't really know. I mean, I I do think in this book actually since it's been such a long time, I mean since all these you know millennia have passed, um, Shwengu does not necessarily represent like the Bene Gesserit from the very beginning, but she does represent the old guard as in like what the Bene Gesserit were like after recovering from the God Emperor's reign. Yeah. You know, cause she's, right. she's, she's specifically railing against, you know, that happening again, having yeah, another yeah, flies yeah, at Tadrak, yeah. whereas Taraza and her ilk are kind of like, Oh, you know, fuck off old lady we know what we're doing this is this yep. where we 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 got this this time um so yeah I, yeah i think she is part of the old establishment but not at, not that old yeah that that's a good point too yeah. right we need to like and that's what's wild about like how much history and and time that that herbert's covered throughout these novels i mean like to think about like a few books ago usually in a series would be like relatively close events but yeah you know we are are skipping further and further the more we read yeah so um that's kind of always worth considering that there's like this huge passage of time that um the the implications of we're still you know figuring out as we go yeah absolutely last thing i want to say about this chapter for my copy it's on page 152 um and I would be remiss if I did not focus in on. Oh, fuck. Found it. Okay. Uh, so this seems to be the, the flashback still. Taraza took her own drink to a chair dog opposite him. 
a fluffy white <sighs> bit of animate furniture that fitted itself to her with the ease of long familiarity. For Teg, she had provided a traditional green upholstered chair, but she saw his glance flick across the chair dog and grinned at him. I, I feel like this adds... If I just read this sentence without what I read last section, where Odrade's like, oh, I hate when they try to cuddle me. Yeah. I would still be like, are they dogs? <laughs> you know? Because this this makes it almost sound like another contraption of sorts. Yeah. It's, but I, I think it's almost a description of like... Uh, it is a dog, but considered so much more to be furniture as to be written as a an animate object. It's not inanimate, right? Yeah. It, just like it says, it's animate furniture, not a dog, not a living creature. But it's yeah, they, they don't consider furniture. it even a living creature. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's doing a bit more work to do that, but it's weird to see the breadcrumbs that herbert is leaving i am fucking obsessed with these chair dogs dude. yeah it's it's very strange um yeah there's there's a lot of chair dog action it does make you think that maybe we'll i don't know they'll play a bigger role at some point uh yeah maybe at the end of this book instead of like uh a whole force of people riding in on sandworms like the end of uh dune we'll get like a whole a whole force of uh people on rackets like riding on chairs y- yeah you know i i would the, the city i would love a uh chair dog versus sandworm showdown i think that would be very interesting yeah yeah it's kind of like oh wait wait, wait. maybe you know shiana can can control the sandworms maybe duncan can control the chair dogs <laughs> yeah that would be a very valuable power absolutely i think it's sort of like uh you ever hear that question where it's like would you ever would you rather fight like one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses yes it'd be like would you rather fight one regular giant ass sandworm or like a hundred chair dogs yeah good question I, I think, think I think I would pick the chair dogs. I think so too. I I, I get the impression that they are bred so like their brain activity is like lit like like nothing pretty much like yeah. There's just nothing going on except just standing and being sat on. True. Yeah. I don't even. I I think you're right. I think it would be like a disservice almost to think of them as a dog. Like yes. I don't think it's like wagging its tail no. or like. Yeah. It's. It probably the sick thing is it probably is more furniture than dog. Yeah, you know, like when yep. you leave the room, like does it even eat? Yeah, does it have a mouth? Uh-huh. It's does it I even piss or shit? I, I mean, yeah, all good questions. Just at, at, at some, it's you know, at some point throughout history, over the millennia, someone thought you know dogs are they're very cuddly. We need a chair like like that you know we need to, we got to make a chair like a dog and then they're like oh wait we can we can do this yeah sick i i know you haven't watched it but it, it's like some full metal alchemist shit yeah just like uh like the the depraved experiments brought on uh 
mm. you know the these these poor creatures it is um, yeah, for for the, for the sake of uh you know blind scientific advancement yeah yeah that's why us at this on this podcast we are anti-science don't right. believe in it. I uh, add that to the list. We're anti-chortling and we are anti-science. Yes, indeed. All right. <clears throat> um, I feel like we've probably spent enough on this. Uh, yeah, this yeah. yeah. All right. So you're you, you're good to to continue on. Yep, I'm ready to go. All right. Now the second chapter. I hope this doesn't confuse you. I'm going to go through it and you tell me if it sounds like something you read or if it was like in another fucking dimension. All right. We'll see. Um, But uh, actually, uh, it it starts. It starts. Oh, Shiana is talking with Odrade. Shiana's talking with Odrade. How is it that you can order the priests around? She's like, what the fuck's going on here? Odrade is like. Uh, really causing a shakeup, really stirring things up at uh, the the city of Keen. Um, and most of this chapter is kind of them testing each other, you know, especially Shiana, like trying to um, trying to order Odrade, like Shiana, very naturally as like a. Who, this person who came into the the priesthood as a young child, she was eight. Um, she came from a you know a, a life of struggle of having nothing, and suddenly she's brought into this entirely different world, where this group of people she was told to fear are at her beck and call, and you know she's become very understandably spoiled. Yeah, right? she's. She feels like she can have anything she wants, and she's not wrong because for, uh, I mean, what is it, five or six years now with mm-hmm. the time skips we've had? Yeah, um, she has gotten everything that she wants, and now Odrade is here, and she's not having it. Nope, she is not having it. So Shiana is like asking or not asking that's the thing she's ordering she's trying to order yeah she is she has no other concept of how to interact or get what she wants right exactly and odrade is like we gotta cut that shit out because that is not how this relationship is going to work yeah i mean it's it's like she thinks it's funny when she does it to the priests but she's like you can't do it to me you know like yeah. like it's yeah it's cool if you do that to the priests whatever that's hilarious. right right we we both disrespect them in our own exactly yeah. yeah but i'm not you know you can't you can't pull that shit with me because i'm not going to do it yeah uh so it's it it's cool to see odrade kind of um be be like this um this figure of discipline, I guess. Yeah. And we, we get a bit more out of this relationship. And I think it's the fourth chapter. Um, when Odrade is waiting for Shiana to come, we get some of like Odrade's reflections and thoughts on, yep. on how their relationship has been. Uh, but I think that's the fifth chapter actually. Be, oh God. Maybe it is. I'm not, <laughs> we're not there it yet. Better so be. I'm, not, I'm not saying it is or isn't. You, I think you're right. I think you're right. You are right. Okay. 
Um, but, uh, but like this, this idea of like Odrade being the, having become the figure of the Bene Gesserit that kind of like took her own self away from her childhood. Yes. Or, you know, like, like that, like that Odrade herself is, is grappling with the fact that as a child, the Bene Gesserit, you know, took her from her home, took her from her like childhood innocence um, and indoctrinated her into this witchy thing. Yeah. Right. And now Odrade is herself uh, thrust into the role of, of being that person to to bring this young girl into the fold Um you know, whether she likes it or not. And in this case, she does, but, like, that's all part of the plan. It's yes. very calculated, you know? So, like, Odrade knows that she's manipulating her, whether Shiana is enthusiastic about it or not, you know? Um, and I, I think that adds a lot of interesting wrinkles to their dynamic that will... Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's gonna... It, it might be the, the factor... Um... Or you know, that that determines whether or not she is successful with following through the Bene Gesserit plan for Shiana or not. We'll see. Yeah, you mean like she may defect? She could defect or, you know, turn a blind eye um, to what's going on for the sake of you know, love, I guess. She may be a heretic of Dune. She may be saying. a heretic of Dune. Very well, maybe. Yeah. I guess we shall see. Um, as usual, I think there's probably plenty of things in their conversation that are, are interesting and could be focused in on. Um, but I'm just going to jump to the end here. I like the way their conversation ends. Odrade gets to a point where she's like, I feel like I have enough to use the voice. She tries to use the voice on Shiana earlier oh, yeah. in this chapter, unsuccessfully, but she gets a read on her and she's able to command her to be quiet pretty much and to listen. And Shiana realizes that it's, it's effective on her. You know, she kind of just like stops dead in her tracks. Yeah says that she doesn't even like do anything for a full minute. Um, and uh, not only is that a cool moment, but I think it's a cool reminder of how the voice works too, because I don't feel like we've gotten like the buildup in like, in having to put together information to use the voice on a specific person since the first dune book as well like that makes me think of when jessica and paul are in the ornithopter being brought to the desert by the two dumbass harkonnen guards yes and they don't use the voice until like they listen to the guards talk long enough that they they feel confident that they will be able to control them yeah 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 Yeah, Uh, it's yeah it's been a while since it's been used kind of with that strategy behind it Yes. So, so that was interesting. And then 
Shion is like, whoa, holy shit. Like, yeah. So you are a witch. And her line is, uh, oh, I'm so glad you came. It's been so boring lately. Yeah. Yeah. It's also good to know that, you know, she is actually using some form of the voice herself on these priests. Yeah, true. She has like a natural gift or ability. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She has that innate quality within her, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. I think that even kind of like goes back to what we were just saying. Like Odrade needs to learn things about like the individual. Like she's a reverend mother. She's able to to put together pieces of this pattern with Shiana in just the span of one conversation. Yeah. But, you know, Shiana, without knowing that she was doing it for years and years and years, um, you know, shows that her her relationship with these with these people and the priest, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, I think it's one of those things, just like with the Prana Bindu muscle exercises, where Herbert's kind of saying, like, if, you know, if you were to able, if you were potentially able, and theoretically, you know, Herbert posits that you are, to, like, control every muscle fiber. Like, if you can control an entire muscle in your arm and bend your, your fucking arm on your elbow up and down, why couldn't you control the more finer motions, you know, if you yeah. really focused on it? And I, you know, similarly, it's like, so is the voice not just a natural extension of understanding individuals and knowing what tone of voice to use to manipulate it? You know, it's like the voice itself is not magic. They no. live within a magical universe, right? That that these things are not known to everyone and that the way that they work if you were to break it down enough, might not be known to you. But, um, you know, knowing what and when and how to say to certain people in your life in order to get a certain result yeah. is something that everyone does every day, whether you're aware of it exactly. or Exactly. Yep. And, and like we were saying, too, this is just kind of it, it brought to its, you know, furthest point imaginable, you know, like if millennia of humans training these skills um, reach this point, you know, theoretically, right? We, we might be able to master these things someday. I mean, smaller, you know, versions of this do exist in our reality today. You know, there, there are, you know, people out there who have trained, you know, uh, how to seduce and, manipulate you know using uh facial expressions and tone of voice and um specific words and sentiments like it's it's it it really is not that far out of our you know comprehension here it's it's uh it's like non-magic presented as magic yes because the simpletons you know can't tell the difference yeah that is it that is it so i i like this meeting between the two characters and i especially like this idea that 
you know, Shion has been bored, you know, that she meets this obstacle within Odrade and, you know, rises to the occasion. Shion is very ready to, you know, it's almost this idea of like, you know, wanting to like act out against your mom and dad and like listen to rock and roll, you know, (laughs) Um, it's not not the same but you know like the the priesthood is like very overbearing and very mm-hmm. protective and the Bene Gesserit kind of represents um this very free uh very sexual very exotic kind of lifestyle and danger that is uh, no surprise very alluring to uh, this sheltered girl with incredible powers on the, you know, the, the verge of entering her, her adolescence. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of factors at play here. Uh, but I, I especially like this idea that we, we might, we might get more on the, the bonds, like the way that Shiana reflects Odrade's younger self and the way that Odrade may or may not choose to act given the role that she finds herself in, you know? Um, it feels like the exploration of Odrade's past not only deepens herself as a character, but makes the relationship that she has with this young girl all the more interesting because we now have a, a pretty strong knowledge of her own past and, and why that would be relevant and why that matters when thinking about Shiana. Uh, Absolutely. And that's, and that's really cool. It feels like, and there's, there is so much time for Herbert to kind of revert back to some of his old tricks in a way. Uh, but at this point in the book, I think he has written his female characters and i'm saying this as a man <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this as a as a man yeah but i think he's written his female characters very well and i i like that so much of this book has to do with them interacting with each other in a way that um like doesn't exclude their femininity, but like doesn't revolve around it in a way that uh, is pandering or eye rolling either. Like I, I think Herbert's walked a very fine line here, and so far, I'm happy with the way he's been doing it. And I, I think, uh, well, that's it. I think what I said. So it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. This is a good chapter for it. I agree with you totally. It's uh, definitely. They're, they're definitely written better than they have been within the past like three books. But you're also right in that like there, there is so much opportunity for, for it yeah. to turn yeah. sour. Um, I, I am not, especially I, with the themes that they're, that he's playing with, you know, with the honored maters and, and everything yeah. like it's, there's so many, there's Yeah so much and and that's to say like even if there is a misstep here and there like 
I think even with that said, like they they you know it's 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 still a better job than at least God Emperor, right? In in that regard. Yeah it 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 definitely feels like there's been an improvement. You know, yeah. like this is kind of like what it might have been like if Siona and Nayla had an opportunity to have real conversations with one another. Absolutely. Yeah. Conversations that didn't just revolve around like Nayla being like, Oh, well, I hope I don't get found out or, you know, and this like, is exactly why I, I, I feel like, you know, the, that style of writing was wholly intentional for God Emperor. Like seeing this display of, of like good writing, if you will, or like, um, character development you know it really makes me think that that you know he he did intentionally flatten every character in god emperor of dune to you know to further that the idea of of uh you know leto being you know on top of everybody i (laughs) i definitely understand why you think that and i i also would even be willing to entertain the idea that herbert thought that too that like he really did like if there's if there's one thing we always return to it's that we agree that herbert is very deliberate yes he does not he does not write things arbitrarily so it's very clear that he has strong intentions when he makes his writing decisions he has very clear ideas yep um and so I even would entertain the thought that that you're right and that Herbert did think that. The problem, I would say, is that I don't think that comes across clear within the text itself. You know, yeah. that, that it's one of those ideas that you can bring to the book in order to make it feel more vibrant and more thought out. Sure. Um but speaking for myself, I, I don't think that came across as something that felt intentional within the actual story. And that's where I would say the problems come up. Yeah, uh, no, I, I... But that's just for me. That's so. totally valid. I think I think you're right. I don't think many... I don't think the majority of readers would get that unless they, they delved deeper and read, you know, theories and essays about it, which I have. Um, but being exposed to that kind of discourse and those kind of ideas, I feel like this book is further proving that, that idea that, um, it was that, that kind of style was more intentional than we thought. Not, not just, you know, poor character development or plotting or whatever. Uh, Yeah. And but 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 I I also agree with you in that it's it's not plainly obvious and it's it's uh maybe on the surface level it's not it does not benefit the book in any uh, way. Yeah, now you got me thinking about it. I we're gonna get back to heretics, but I think. I think, ugh, I think where it comes across the best, and to me it's not a surprise because I've said this before, 
I think he's the best character within the whole book, hands down, is Monio. And the big thing with Monio's arc is that it's so so elongated, so spread yeah. out mm-hmm. that I, I would say with him specifically, it it actually does feel clear that there is supposed to be a stagnation of his character and then an explosion of character development at the very end and then he dies. Because that kind of is the point, right? Like yeah. Neo and Leto are always having these conversations and Leto is always poking and prodding and pushing Monio to try to break him out of that character stagnation. And it's Monio's character, his literal character is to be stagnant, yep. to be in opposition of these ideas. Essentially, like what we were saying, to have a, a fixed worldview that cannot take in any new information and must remain rigid, or else he will be destroyed, yeah. essentially. He can't be Monio without that. Um, and Leto knows this because he created him, and he created the circumstances that he exists within. Um, but, like, there kind of is this long, hundreds and hundreds of pages, like, build up to... Leto and Monio's back and forth where Leto's always pushing and Monio's always staying. And then at the end, when these things crystallize, when he sees the prophecy come to fruition with the golden smoke on the bridge, like he kind of has this mind opening experience like like Teg does in this flashback where uh-huh. it feels like the, the universe is open to him. Yeah. And Monio says like what? Uh, like cyanoc i believe yes 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 and then he he dies and that is a big payoff because you the reader are like oh man we've had so many conversations with leto being pushed to this point that when it finally happens which is what a character arc is by the way you know right it's like yeah yeah yeah. not it's not a not trying to talk down to you this for the the listeners i'm i know that you get it but it's right it's like to to have these continued parts of his story spread throughout and then to capitalize that on that at the end is what works about it. But I think Monio is built from the ground up to, to make that feel worthwhile. And I, and I don't think the other characters are sure. Cause you, you don't get those ideas. You don't get like Leto having all these like one-on-one conversations repeatedly well that's that's because they they do occur that's because monio monio represents everybody everybody else in that population right he is like the stand-in for that entire you know great stagnation of humanity and you know the only other character that we get like great depth from is duncan but Duncan doesn't count because he's from a different time. He's he's the past seeing what's become of humanity and, you know, also railing against it. So, like, I, I totally agree with you. And there and I think my, my biggest issue with characterization in God Emperor would be Siona. Just because there was such great promise from her in the beginning and that it was totally squandered from then on out, you know. Um... Yeah, so I mean, I I, I I do think that Monio is is meant to represent pretty much everybody. He's he's a good baseline of 
of where humanity is at. Um, but one thing I also want to call to attention, and it hasn't happened yet, but um, I forget if it's the last chapter or the second to last chapter in this five-chapter stretch. They they talk about the, the scattering, and, and, and they're like, yeah, just like all of a sudden people wanted to, like, you know, like fight against that stagnation and explore and like and and there was this like sudden urge to go and and uh you know expand humanity and stuff and uh yeah so i think that's it's very cool how how like how much of a uh reaction this is to god emperor true true and since we're talking about it one of the things i've been thinking when we were reading through god emperor I was so hung up on what Leto's plan was. And having read the book, it seems so silly in retrospect to think that there would have been some sort of uh, grand reveal, like some some twist at the end. Because, you know, Leto's plan uh the golden path itself pretty much ended up being exactly what it was by the time we were reading god emperor from the very beginning um so much of that plan had had already um you know uh had 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 been underway yeah that um like I, I kept thinking that I was like reading through the plot waiting for the end, but it was kind of like we were at the end from the first page and like, yeah. I didn't realize it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I kept thinking that there would be like some sort of specific thing about it, something that I was missing that Leto was waiting to reveal. And, you know, it turns out that the plan was always this vague nebulous sort of thing you know, like we yeah. would we would talk about it, and I'm like, so what? The idea is like make all of humanity like completely stagnated, and then submit the entire universe to like horrible famine and death, and then like everyone's just gonna like want to be better. That's the plan. <laughs> that's the fucking plan. And like the whole time, God Emperor was like, "Yep, that's the plan." And then you read, you get to the end of the book, and like nothing is expanded upon, and you're like, "What?" And yeah, then I'm reading it. Heretics, and it's like, "Yep." That's what happened. And I'm like, oh, well, fuck. Like, why was I so hung up on, on, on like these details that I thought would exist when I should have known from Herbert's writing? Exactly. That's because you're. We talk about that so many times. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it it's never the fucking, would have been there. It's the exact same thing as, as, you know, looking at a word and, you know, your brain filling in the, the rest because you're used to it, right? Like, we're reading this book. And we're filling in the the plot points because we were used to reading other books from writers who who adhere to a certain structure, right? But Frank Herbert does not do that. He he subverts that somewhat intentionally, but really just prescribes his his own direction. And so it's so yeah, we're we're just not used to kind of his uh, structure and you know point A and point B. F- you know, for him is very different than for, you know, JK Rowling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're still like, you know, our brains are like, Oh, we're reading other, like a, like Harry Potter eight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right, like the the majority of of stories, even even ones that aren't just like you know, YA fiction or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. So many stories yeah. hit the same. Yeah, things. there. It's you know there. There's a tried and, and okay true. Right. Oh, it's totally okay. I mean, it's it's a that's the standard for a reason, right? You know, it's it's like the hero's journey is is the standard for a reason because it it's effective and it's good and you know there's a lot of lessons you can you know morals you can you can take from from it and it's a good it's it's uh yeah it's 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 fun it's you know popular for a reason um but yeah i mean like from the start frank herbert intended to kind of deconstruct that right like like the myth of the hero but then also i mean yeah like I feel like it goes without saying that, you know, he wanted to also deconstruct that structure of, oh, here is a story about a hero and, you know, the trials and tribulations and the rise and the fall. Totally. Um, yeah, like, like he's con- he's deconstructing that character, but as well as deconstructing that character arc and that, and that story um, method. Yeah. And that that is a really fascinating way to look at it because... Um, you know, you bringing up the hero's journey, any, any Star Wars fan, man, will tell you that like what, what, what people focus in on at at, like an academic level of why Star Wars exploded throughout the world is that it, um, it, it, it pretty much. Uh, repackaged the hero's journey uh, from from Joseph Campbell in in a way that felt fresh, but like hit hit those structures yeah. that that you know make that make people feel good, that make it endearing and mm-hmm. enduring, right? Just like you're saying, yeah. And so it's really interesting too, because of course, like we've mentioned too, um, that Star Wars draws on a lot of inspiration from Dune. And that uh, that that Dune and Star Wars like share a lot of that that DNA in their origins, but where Star Wars like um, pretty much tells the hero's journey wholesale, Dune in the in the first book does hit those beats of the hero's journey, but it makes them mean something different. And yes. I think what is so weird yep. about reading the Dune sequels in particular and what, what makes them so so weird to read is I feel like what Herbert is saying is like, well, Paul went through the hero's journey, but at the end of it, he became a villain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yep. so like, instead of the circular version where you become the hero and and end at this place of like um uh reverence and elevation and knowledge yeah. it's like well what what if you went through the same steps as king arthur or luke skywalker and you you did the things to ascend to a kind of heroism but as the story continues without you even noticing you kind of like quietly slide into this evil force. Yeah. You become it, you know? Yep. Yeah. And like that, that's what's so interesting about this is like, 
you know, we had a lot to say throughout Messiah, throughout Children of Dune about Paul's role, his guilt, his culpability as like the head of this empire causing immeasurable harm. Yeah. And similarly with Leto, right? Mm -hmm. These, these characters that, that in a more standard story, you would be, you would say, well, they're the main character and they're good. Yeah. And yet they, they aren't really portrayed as completely good or completely evil, right? They are like these, um, these mixed, uh, tapestries of people with, you know, good intentions that very often, you know, their actions have, have horrible consequences yeah that, that also really speak to like the way that governments function you absolutely know, even the way that the individual people that make up governments may want to do good but yep. like on some level somewhere in the world whether you considered it or not someone is being harmed by it you know uh so there's a lot no you're <laughs> absolutely right there there is a lot <laughs> and i mean that makes me think too it's like like the the most clear-cut portrait of a villain that we've seen so far is the Harkonnens in the first book right since then there's really been no clear-cut evil and in this we're following like four different groups four different uh you know factions of of humanity um where they're doing exactly what you're saying is is they they all of them think they're doing what's right for for humanity and they all think they're that that, that 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 you know they're doing God's work. Yeah, uh, you know yes. you get the Bene Gesserit, the Tleilaxu, um, the honored maiders, uh, the priests of of Rakis. They so th- they're all these 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 you know groups that that are you know various shades of gray. There there there's no villain of the story. No, no, yeah, I mean it. It feels like, given the characters that we're following, like, the Tleilaxu kind of fill that role. But just like you're saying, uh, we know enough about them that they are not just, like, sitting back and twirling their mustaches. No, uh, no. Yeah, and... and I mean... The, sorry, you, you go ahead. The, the Honored Maters could play that role, too, but we don't know enough about them to... Yeah. ...to get that picture. But, I mean... yeah. I'm confident enough in, 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 you know, saying now that like, I, I I think that this is kind of this, this may be kind of a commentary on government, right. And, and different, different, how, how different systems can even, even, you know, with, with the, the, the people leading or the people in charge or even just in, you know, uh, doing admin work for, for these, these organizations, like the system itself is kind of like set up in a way to cause harm to these people that that it's saying they serve and like you can't i i mean you you can't change that unless you're you know you you tear it down wholesale um so that's that's one of the more interesting things is that uh we're we're dealing with like at least like three different like systemic powers like huge systemic powers yeah. that are are all in um, opposition to each other. Totally. Yeah, totally. Right. It's like more, more than, than right. This idea that like the Bene Gesserit are like their own, like weird little cult on the side. Like they are like 
you know, they're like the fucking U.S. government. Right yeah. Now. Like yep. they are massive. Absolutely. Um, I know that, man, this was quite the tangent, but it was a fun one because we, we haven't looked back in a little while. It no. feels like with a conversation like that. I one one thing you said really uh, made me think. The closest like straight villain we got was uh, the Harkonnens, which is a weird way to put it because the Baron's queer coded. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. but uh, but you're totally right. You know, the, I, I agree. The Harkonnens kind of are like the evil house, right? And like yep. a lot of the characters even even think of them that way. Uh, and I think we talked about this in Dune. But, you know, what's interesting is even then, you know, Herbert wrote them with uh, still a certain amount of nuance. Like, Fade Rautha uh, kind of just grows up within this thing. And like, sure, you know, obviously he gets fucked up by it. Like, it's yeah. not like he's a sympathetic character. But there's always kind of this idea that Fade Rautha is kind of like the foil to Paul. Like, if if Paul were somehow born and raised the same human, but within the Harkonnen family, that he would have turned out the same way. Yeah, and vice versa. Sure. You know yep. that they're really just products of their environment rather than, um, you know, like individuals bent on the sake of, uh, you know, doing evil for its own sake yeah or whatever i was trying to say so no, I, absolutely not yeah yeah even even then uh it's it's not so so clear-cut which it's, no it's uh, not yeah no i mean it's it's uh yeah from the start from the start yeah. there were these powers and systems that like these people are born into that are, that are clearly causing pain to humanity and it's like everyone is culpable right even the atreides yeah, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. Even Duke Leto. Yeah, even the of first Leto. Right, because they, they go. I mean, th- that'd be like if um, I don't know, some ruling family, right? You get like the call to like go be an oil baron somewhere, yeah, overseas, and it's yep. like okay, so yep. you're being you're being tasked with uh, you know, presiding over the 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 work, the the labor you know, for mining this incredibly valuable resource for the sake of like keeping the, the gears turning. Yep. Exactly. In the, the machine. Yep. The universal machine. Um, so yeah, right. It's like, I remember us talking about this too, right? That Duke Leto, it's, it's kind of like this, um, uh, very like liberal sort of idea where it's like, well, we'll be able to like show that our morals are better. You know, we're going to kind of put a better face on things and our intentions even might be better. But at the end of the day, you're still taking advantage of, of, of people for the sake of perpetuating these systems. Exactly. Yep. You're still being the face of that machine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, and if we look at it from that vantage point, like, because, I mean, from this perspective, it's like, okay, Duke Leto, he was a, a kind leader. You know, he 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 had a very strong moral compass. Um, he, he uh, you know, was, was fiercely 
uh, loyal to everybody who served him, you know, uh, didn't let them down, made, made sure they, they lived well, whatever. But like he is perpetuating the system and has no intention of, of destroying it. You know, he, he, he's all he's doing is, is working to, to further it and to ensure that, that things keep on working and, um, you know, pretty much all these terrible things keep on happening. And, uh, yeah. Um, and then we get Paul who like, there's the first time like that we see somebody actually kind of throwing a wrench or, or be, or thinking about throwing a wrench into this thing, you know, uh, for the greater good of, of, of humanity, but we don't, but not until Lido too, do we actually get one of them taking a stand and actually doing it, you know, it's like, you know, throwing a cog into the machine and, and, and saying, okay, this no, this is no longer, uh, sustainable. If we keep on down this path, we're going to all die. We're going to, this is going to be extinction, you know? Right. Um, but then even to destroy the machine is to become the worst version of the exactly. Yeah. In order to stop its progress. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just bizarre. Cause if, if you look at it from that angle, that like that paints Leto too, as the hero, out of the three of them, right? He is the hero. He's the, he did the most to to improve humanity. To to you know, even though he he did the most heinous thing, and he's he's known as the tyrant. Yeah. Like it's right, right, right. It's such a mind fuck. Like yeah, that's kind of where it all. It's like, and and that's kind of where it goes back. It's like, well, is the net outcome what's worthwhile? Right? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. is are you going to weigh humanity as like an aggregate and to be like. You know, if, if, if you're number crunching on, uh, you know, lives taken versus saved out of like a infinite timeline of what humanity could be in the future. Like, is it is it worth killing thousands upon thousands yeah. upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people over thousands of years if eventually it will be better in the future? Yeah. And, and so like you're saying, right, it's like. I. <laughs> I feel like when it's laid out like that, I'd be like, well, no, right? I mean, I still I still have a lot of thoughts on Leto, and I, I, I still know. don't really uh, think he's, like, justified or vindicated. But to see the consequences of his actions in Heretics of Dune and to think about what led him to that point in, in, in light of Duke Leto I and his father Paul, you know, you're right. You're right to lay it out like that and to be like, well, if we're talking about who had the most change, who didn't just roll over and allow the system to to use their good intentions for its own benefit, right? Even yep. Paul is absorbed and steamrolled into this yeah. fucking thing I mean, that he, all, he can't control. All Paul wanted to do was to follow his father's footsteps. You know, he 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 wanted to be the nice you know, hero who, who led the people to, to, you know, quote unquote prosperity where, you know, they're, they're, where, he, where he is still kind of drinking from God's tea and, and everyone else is kind of on the streets fighting for themselves, but he's beloved. Um, and, and it gets to the real conflict of Paul's character when he can't do that. He, 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 he could not do that because now he has this, this great burden of, of, of seeing the future. And, yeah. uh, and he's not allowed the luxury of sitting back and letting things happen. He has to make a fucking choice. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and most often his choice is to not choose. Yeah. He he rejects it wholesale and and becomes a hermit, you know, and and just he just walks away from it. Yeah. 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 Uh I, th- there there's so much there and we we could we could have a whole podcast series about uh all this, yeah, but it um, feels like we we kind of are right. We now, kind of are, you know? yeah. That's, but no, I I know we we need to uh, rein it in if we are going to get through these yes. chapters in in any fashion. Yes. But uh, yeah, I didn't want to just cut that off because that was a pretty interesting conversation. Yeah. So absolutely no, it's it's very it's very fun to think about and crazy to I don't know, kind of thinking about the real world mirrors, but uh. Yeah, I'm gonna go pee really quick and get another drink, and then we can we'll we'll just breeze through the rest of these. Uh, we'll breeze chapters. through it. Yeah, it'll we're be a fucking go, breeze. Let's do it. We're gonna supersonic speed, you know. Let's right. do it. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Yeah, I just think it's funny in a chapter. Uh, it almost it almost feels like uh, we were like tag in the first chapter, where it's like. <laughs> we're talking about one thing and then just have this like intense reverie and yeah then, like, snap back and we're like oh shit what were we doing yeah no <laughs> you're right that's this feels relevant to, absolutely. to my present predicament yeah that's that's how it felt for sure all right so third chapter yes. <laughs> third chapter we're okay um so Oh, okay. So this is Duncan training on Gamu. Odrade, or sorry, Lucilla. She probably gets that all the time. Yeah. Spitting image. <laughs> Lucilla is watching Duncan train, and she's thinking to herself, wow, this plan's going so well. He's imprinted, he's doing awesome. I'm going to have to fuck a child. Wait a minute. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. It's not going well. It's not going well. It's nope. not. That's, uh, that's going to happen, huh? So she's Lucilla's also like kind of in this point where where she is sort of swallowed up and controlled in these larger forces of the Bene Gesserit order that dictate that she must do these things but she herself the individual is thinking isn't this kind of weird mm-hmm. um she'd be right to think that because it is um it's <sighs> it's one of those things where it's like it's i don't know man herbert creates as the author he creates the circumstances and the situations and then he's like isn't that odd isn't that weird (laughs) and it's like well you did it man like you you made it weird you know like your ideas out of your brain created the universe in real time (laughs) like uh and he's like yeah it's fucked up can you but he's like can you believe they have to do that and i'm like herbert you are writing this story, man. Yes, you are doing it. These are all heuristic like, ideas. Right, yeah. It's just so funny because it feels, sometimes it feels like Herbert's like sitting next to me while I'm reading and he's like, hey, it's kind of fucked up, right? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's like, hey, I'm right there. With, or you know what it's like? Oh my God, I got to make this meme or some shit. 
It's like uh, in I Think You Should Leave, where the, the guy in the hot dog outfit is like, hey. Oh, my God. We all want to find out who fucking <laughs> the hot dog car. <laughs> but it's Herbert. And he's like, hey, listen, I, I don't know why they have to do this. <laughs> it's the Bene Gesserit. Oh, my God. Oh, you're it's fucked You're up. right. Oh, we got to. Got to transpose Frank's head on the. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so fucking funny. You're right. But uh, but anyways, um, I, uh, it's we we will see what happens. I get tired of saying that, but we will see what happens with this um this plot line. We don't really know what will or will not come of it. Yes. Uh, pun not intended there. <laughs> um. But it, it it could it could potentially be a setup for Lucilla um, to go against the order as well if she decides yeah. not to follow through. So it's one of those things where it's like, is he creating the circumstances in order to facilitate you know character growth, or is or am I being set up for this and it's going to happen? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, we'll figure that out when we get to it. We're not there yet. Yeah, not quite. But I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. So, really, the, the thing is, during this training, Miles Tag comes out. But it's not really Miles Tag. No. It's a new face dancer. Um, this is after, too, she's, she's daydreaming about fucking him, too. Yeah. She wishes it was him and not the kid. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, which is even funnier. <laughs> she goes to, like, the opposite end of the spectrum, you know? Like, you know, would it not be weird for Miles Tegg to fuck Lucilla? Yeah. Not even just given their age difference, but, like, you know, Tegg doesn't even consider Reverend Mothers to be, like, human. I, I don't know what he would even... So, honestly, it's like, in what way does the... I guess the power dynamic is, like, tipping in two weird ways there. One to take side in the age, and one to yeah. the Bene Gesserit side in, like, their manipulation. And, and, and their, like, destruction of his consent. Or his, yeah. or his inability to consent. Exactly. Because of their, yeah. like, seduction. And, I mean, they don't really even have any intention of getting consent. You know, they, they just they just manipulate them into doing it. And if it's, you know, if it's uh, if they regret it later, then oh, well. Right. Yeah. It's like forced consent. Right. You know, like they are they're like willing in the moment, but it's because they're like sirens, you know, like you would never exactly, say. Yeah. yeah. Which a, a siren you know, or whatever, like definitely not what I would consider true consent. Yes. Yeah. So, um. Of course there's that. Of course there's that. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. She she thinks about that. What's funny too is like the Bene Gesserit order itself doesn't really want anyone to fuck Tag. Or doesn't care, you know? It I think Lucilla thinks it's something that like she's drawn to herself. Something that she's curious yeah. about. Almost in like Almost like in the way that like Duncan was um, lusted after by the fish speakers, you know, yep. it's like this person has committed their life to servitude for the order 
And a lot of times in Dune, servitude also means sex or, oh, or yeah. the the sharing of genes. Yeah. You know? Yep. And also, I mean, they're definitely bred to want to make Atreides babies. So of course, anybody in that gene line, they're going to be attracted to and want to to fuck anyways. Yeah. But like, it's interesting from a Bene Gesserit perspective because like a lot of times it seems like it seems like with Lucilla here. It's not like she wants to uh, fuck Tag because, like, she thinks he'll be a good lover or, like, she finds him attractive. I think I think she does, but it's, like, more that his genes are so desirable and yeah. he has, like, proven himself to be so valuable by the Order that, like, she kind of can't help but consider it, you know? Yeah. And it would almost even be like a conquest, too, because he's such a strong and formidable individual. Like, he can't easily be seduced. There, There's a part, there is a small flashback here where, like, she tries and Tag just, like, dismisses her outright. Yeah. And she's like, it would almost be demeaning to try and pursue it to us both. Exactly. Because, like, he's he's he has such control of his faculties. Um. So, yeah, you're right. That's a whole thing. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, uh, Teg is a face dancer here. And so we get this small fight between um, uh, Duncan, who kind of like goes right from his training exercises into like a real battle. Yeah. And we get like this literal fucking Dragon Ball Z like explanation or description of his uh of his fighting abilities where Lucilla is like he was so much faster than I ever could have anticipated like he's doing all these like fucking flips and shit and like it sounds very kinetic you know it yeah. sounds like he's uh, it sounds like he's literally going so fast that you would you kind of have to imagine it as like anime action i mm-hmm. think like it's it's something completely superhuman um, something beyond, you know, probably what we've seen from anyone, even faster than Monio, who was like fucking dancing circles around Duncan and God yeah. Emperor. Yep. Um. So t- to like see his capabilities, even while he's growing on display, is pretty cool. Um, and then it's you know Lucilla jumps down, she gets in on the action, and we kind of get this small but really tense battle. And even though Lucilla and Duncan are like themselves stronger than this face dancer, because the face dancer has this las gun, Lucilla's like, well, we can't really win. Like we don't, we just don't have the tools to defeat him. But instead he gets fucking las gunned himself. His arm is like severed. And then he turns into a pile of meat. Uh, The real tag fucks him up from behind the real tag is revealed as his as the face dancer's body just falls apart and yeah you know is incinerated yeah yeah that's one of those moments that you can really picture as 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 a film as a bit of like a visual because like that's such a, a common trope where like the bad guy's about to do something and then they fall down or they stop suddenly and then you see behind them and it's the good guy who killed them. This will like, be a great moment for 
for Oscar Isaac 10 years from now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, be very exciting. So, yeah. And then then this chapter goes into a whole thing with uh, they confront Shwangyu because they're like, how did the face dancer get here? Shwangyu is kind of uh, responsible or complicit or related somehow in, in, in having this face dancer um, like have access come in. Um, and Shwangyu is kind of tricked into leaving the room and Teg, Odrade, and Duncan make their escape uh, from the keep. They're like, you know, obviously this is not safe anymore. Um, and I, <clears throat> I kind of forget. Do they say, are they going to Rackus? <laughs> or do I just assume that? It's not specified, that. but I am assuming that they're going to Rackus. Right. Like it, that's, that's what it seems like, right? That's what I figured. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Tag's like, okay, well, I... I hope you're prepared to kill anyone who tries to stop us. That's how that chapter ends. Um, so it sounds like it'll be uh, <clears throat> a bloody road to wherever they're going. But yeah, probably Rackus, like you're saying. That just seems like the logical uh, assumption. There. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, pretty action-packed chapter. Uh, pretty cool stuff. What do you think? Anything you want? Yeah, to say? definitely. No, it was very cool to see. Uh some action miles tag kind of being a badass um the schwangu conflict um grows you know the conflict between them uh she is definitely collaborating with uh the bad guys now um and it's kind of interesting too because odrade does now see that um like Teg has the capability and willingness to manipulate Shwangu when he when he says that her quarters have been, um, you know, blown up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Odrade realizes that he actually. You mean Lucilla? Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, Lucilla. It's yeah. They look so I similar. Um, I know, I know, I know. Lucilla, uh, yeah, she she's like, well, he he can manipulate us, and he's willing to do that. So like, I gotta watch out for that now too. Yeah, that's a good point. He he proves himself um, an equal in some ways to the powers of the Reverend Mother. Yeah, yeah. But also capable and willing to, you know, fight back against them. Even though, I mean, yeah. it, it, it was Taraz's orders to, you know, kind of not let Duncan get close to Schwingu, but But yeah. still, it's kind of a, it's kind of a turning point for for Lucilla and her, her, you know, her awareness of who Teg is. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Right. It's like Teg proves himself to be on the same side as Lucilla, but if he ever chose to use those abilities, you know, against, against them, then, um, yeah, it, it would be a problem because he's, yeah. he's very powerful in his own right. Yeah. And, and you're right, too. Like, this kind of shows, you know, before it kind of felt like Shwangyu kind of was just, like, very vocal. Like, had her <clears throat> had her own um, opinions about the whole Gola thing. 
but uh, was like kind of kept under close enough watch that like it would be okay. You know, that was kind of the idea that uh, that that she was uh, a known dissenter, but like you know, not not everyone's gonna agree. It's whatever. And then this chapter shows that she's she's actively against it. She yeah. doesn't just passively have these opinions. She's really putting her weight behind trying to stop the Gola program. Yep, exactly. Uh Okay. Fourth chapter. We uh cruising right along Let's or do it. What more you want to say? Let's go for it. Okay. Um, so I just want to mention, uh, I just want to, I'm going to read the opening chapter or passage here quick. The significant fact is this, no Benet Lelac's female has ever been seen away from the protection of their core planets. Face dancer mules who simulate females do not count in this analysis. They cannot be breeders. The Tleilaxu sequester their females to keep them from our hands. This is our primary deduction. It must also be in the eggs that the Tleilaxu masters conceal their most essential secrets. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to read that and, and throw it out there. Um, because... It, it becomes more important in this chapter when Waff and Terraza have their, like, negotiations. And it, it, it does, like, some really quick work into showing, like, why the Tleilaxu have things that the Bene Gesserit would want, you know? Um, but more than that... Um, Man, I really felt like I had more to say. Sorry, I feel like I did this last time too. I, I, I okay. gotta have more specific notes because I was like, I want to talk about this opening passage, and I'm I'm blanking a little here. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I I guess just the way I I think really it to me it implies that the face dancing itself. The reason that the Tleilaxu are the sole people who have this ability are because it's something that they've bred into their people over time, you know? So, just like, it's not just like this magical, it is, right, Dune is and isn't a magical universe. And I think this is like Herbert trying to give some sort of a foundation to the face dancing. And why... Only the Tleilaxu can do it. It's like, why wouldn't you just have everyone fucking face dance? Or yeah. what is the secret behind face dancing? And not surprisingly, Herbert's answer seems to be, well, it's it's through the Tleilaxu breeding program. And the reason that their females need to be hidden is because if those face dancing genes were ever, you know, separated from the breeding pool all fucking hell would break loose and they would lose their monopoly over face dancing. Exactly. So, so the women must be like kept under wraps. Um, 
And that makes that very clear to us in this passage. I think that's what I wanted to mention. Yeah, I mean, I forget if it's um, earlier in this book or in previous books, but yeah, it's been clear that the that the females do not, you know, planet hop like the males do. But um, yeah, now we're we're it's very clear that uh, that they are under under very very tight wraps. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, chapter four, it's a meeting between, uh, Waff and Terraza and they're on a no ship. It acts as a really cool mirror to the meeting between Waff and the honored mater from however many chapters ago. Yeah. And, this is spelled out for us very plainly, um, but what it really demonstrates is the power difference between the Bene Gesserit and the Honor Maters. You know, like, at first it's like the Honor Maters are like this big, looming, unknown threat, and like, they still have that, but every time they come in contact with the Bene Gesserit, the Bene Gesserit have had the upper hand so far, and that remains true here. The meeting between Terraza and Waff. Waff is played like a fucking fiddle the whole time. The, the entire whole time. time. Um, and even to the Woff, point where he's like, he's like, I could kill her, but like that wouldn't do any good because there's, you know, so many more of them that that'll just destroy all of us. So it's pointless. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It it that's that's like such a clear demonstration because right the Bene Gesserit power isn't just the individual in this case. Like, obviously, Waff felt confident enough to kill the uh, Honor Mater and infiltrate. But Terraza makes it plain that they know the Tleilaxu new face dancer threat so well enough already. Exactly. um, And deduced even more that they didn't even know from the interaction. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it was a very, supremely very powerful. cool showcase of Terraza's abilities. Absolutely. She's she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, this was a, a really great chapter for, like, for for Herbert showing, like, how how their abilities work or, or, or what a Reverend Mother really picks up on in order to decide, like, what threads to follow. Um, it's It's kind of like those times where... Um, if you were reading like a Sherlock Holmes story, uh, like when he, when he's written in a way where it's like, well, you know that this character is going to figure everything out. Right. But to create a, a process through your writing that, that feels believable, right? Like you couldn't do it, but that's the whole point. Like that's the fantasy of it. Of course you can't do it. You're a normal person, but if you yeah. had these capabilities, these are the breadcrumbs that you would follow in, you know, like as they happen. Um, and I think Herbert like did that really convincingly here. Like yeah. that, um, that like Waff would show his hand through enough reactions. Like we've seen before, like he doesn't control himself very well. Uh, it's, it, it, it felt like a chapter that really reinforced like, yeah, like this is the mother, the, the mother reverend superior, you know? Um, like she's the fucking head honcho for a reason, and I, I think yeah. uh, that that aspect of it was was really well written. I liked it a lot. 
Yeah, this is a great showcase for her ability and um, just her her cunning and her characterization as a whole. This is you know it's a this 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 is a master uh, master class of Bene Gesserit badassery. Totally. Um, yeah, they they go through the whole conversation, of course. But um, essentially, Terraza Terraza is able to to make Wa feel at ease by the end of their conversation because she realizes he's a Zensuni Sufi. Yes. Like she's able to put, put these pieces together where she's able to like fucking pinpoint his exact religious beliefs. And she has enough knowledge herself and enough knowledge to tap into in her other memories that she could just convincingly be like, you know, hey, I believe those things, too. Like you and I, we're actually on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Waff really lets his guard down, you know? Um, yeah. Right after she realizes that, you know, they refer to Leto as the prophet. She's like, oh, shit. Oh, wait, the prophet. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 That was a. Uh, a, a cool clue. Yeah. And there's a lot of that happening too. Like the whole difference between shy tan and shy halud and like yeah. all the, the implications from that. Like there's a lot of like different characters, um, coming up against different interpretations of the same thing, you know? And, and yeah, this was, uh, another, another example of that, that, that was used well here. Um, and so essentially she's she's kind of able to strike up this bargain where um kind of like with the the honor mater thing too it's like at first it's like well we're not here to trade or whatever you know like the Bene, you know we have the upper hand says Teraza but I'm I'm also here to like what barter bargain mm-hmm. um and there is like this kind of she's like, oh, what about a fully functioning axolotl tank or whatever? And Waff just stares at her and she's like, well, I had to try, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I honestly, I kind of forget what it comes to or if they even have like a specific agreement at the end. I think I, I think at the very least. Um. You know, Waff is left thinking that this is a a real trade between equals. But Taraza, she doesn't really give a shit what she says she's bartering. Because the real plan is to get Waff to Rackus. Yep, exactly. So it doesn't doesn't really matter what Taraza says. She's like, oh yeah, you can have, what, like one of the Atreides uh, breeding... Lines, yeah, access to their bloodlines, yeah, but just people that look like Atreides, not actual Atreides, right, right, right. So, yeah, one, she just like suspects they won't know the difference, or, yeah. or they'll learn too late. Um, and then, yeah, two, it's like, yeah, she really just wants Waff on Rackus for reasons that, um, I don't fully understand. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that don't know what the plan is but there's a plan there whatever it is so yeah i mean 
I don't have a have an exact idea, but I do. I mean, she knows what she's doing. Right. Well, that much is clear. So I mean, I, I think they're they're just trying to get as much information and access to the Tylaxu as possible because they have oh, so and, little. And the honored maiders from the scattering. Yeah, yep, about that too. Yep, yep. definitely. But yeah, right. It's it's a big information trade too. Yep. So we'll we'll probably get some things that come of that. Uh. Okay, but yeah. Um. Anything else? That's it. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's uh, wrap this shit up here. We're doing it. We're making good time. We are. All things considered, right? Probably come in at a cool two and a half hours. Less than that. We'll see. <laughs> We're not done yet. <laughs> All right. So our fifth chapter here, Odrade is waiting for Shiana to be brought to her. So Odrade can do the whole Bene Gesserit training with her. Shiana's with the priesthood right now. So that it's the priesthood themselves that need to like deliver her. And while Odrade's waiting, she's looking out the window at this uh, scene. It's called like the Great Square or something. Yeah. It's just this giant marketplace. A big party is going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is cool. I definitely got some Children of Dune vibes here. Talking about yeah, like the for sure. Feels very much like the description of the area around um, the the Temple of Aaliyah, you yep. know, where the preacher would always do yeah, his sermons. Definitely. So um, there's there's a lot of that, um, and there's a lot of buildup. A lot of very intentional buildup it's even described as like this increase in tension over time to the point where it like um uh you know crescendos and is like it's kind of like this electricity that's held within the crowd um but essentially there's these five dancers that show up they're naked and it's this far-flung uh like extrapolation of the cyanoc ritual in god emperor but now it's like five naked guys yeah it's transformed a lot around just like these names and ideas this, yeah. this is the the the, the future of cyanoc yeah so it's 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 very removed but it's like the implications of it the, the consequences of it within the crowd are what are important and like it's it's Odrade yeah. focusing in on it um so I mean mainly what happens is every time these dancers show up it kind of always results in some sort of like violence so something happens but at the same time uh these priest guards are leading Shiana to uh the keep where Odrade is. And Odrade is observing all of these things happen, you know, um, simultaneously. It, it feels like they're separate from each other. And she's kind of watching, like, everything play out from this, yeah, like... Yeah, all at once. Yeah, from this very, like, third-person camera perspective. Um, 
and she's like trying to break it down in, in her reverend mother way um, in the end there is violence some people are bleeding or dead some people are crying some people are laughing um, but ultimately Shiana is delivered Shiana's like man that was fucking crazy you saw that shit um, and Odrade, you know, kind of has a revelation of her own. A lot of characters having revelations here. Um, or at least it feels a little like the way that Teg is, is sort of able to, like, ruminate and come to some new understanding or another way to, like, view the universe. Um, so that's my short summary we don't really get to any of their training. It's all of the build-up to their training that's important here. Yeah, um, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, you know, they, they do kind of go back to the past and kind of how things have changed. And, um, you know, they, they, they mentioned the Festival City own and how there's one street called, uh, you know, God's God's Way or whatever. And that's how, how Lita would get to own for the for the festivals and um yeah which is cool then also you know she kind of deduces that this whole thing this whole you know ceremony is like the violence of dancing all of it is like its own kind of language like it's all communication Mm -hmm. um that's evolved over time um and that this is kind of an untapped untapped communication at least um kind of very it's just kind of exclusive to uh the residents of Keene or the residents of of Varrakis. Yeah. Yeah, I want to branch off your first point quick with like talking about the history of yeah. the city and stuff. Cuz it, it to me it it felt a lot like um how God Emperor deals a lot with like the oral history and the written history and then like it's like somewhere between those two things you know there's a a truth that they both try to like capture and distort right Um, and having the characters like so often talk about these things or think about them really gets me to think about those two those two things as well because it because it feels like what we've read the books are the written history in a way like we've literally read the events as they happened in the present of their own respective books but as we continue to read we see the characters in these far-flung futures mythologize the very real history that we've read. Like, we as readers know what the truth is in a way, right? Because we read the events. And we see how the characters either, like, mistakenly or in, in, like, understandable but interesting ways um, get things wrong. Or, or, or interpret them in ways that you might not expect, you know, like, and so it's really one of the things that I think keeps from, from 
Herbert's callbacks from feeling like derivative or feeling like, oh, he's rehashing the old stuff again, is whenever he brings things back from the past of his own stories, it it feels very true to the way that um, we deal with our own past as well, right? Like we, if you think about like the Roman Empire or some shit, it's like, well, if there were real fucking Romans here, like do you, how close do you think we really got it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, I feel like Herbert's always kind of like nudging you and he's like, Hey, isn't it funny? If you're reading this book, then you should be coming to it with this knowledge. You should know these things, but this character is saying something different or, or is, is warping it in a way, but they don't understand it. And you do, you get this like dramatic irony sort of effect. Um, and it's just a really uh, a, a really interesting way to have the characters engage with like their own history because it, it feels very real to get it wrong yeah right, over time yeah. I, I totally agree with you yeah I think that's kind of what it's intended to do is is uh and I mean even even Leto probably stated it in in plain words you know is that you know the 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 truth is whatever is like left over you know what what whatever's written down and however they interpret those things that are written down you know it it's uh it's not ever gonna be a one to one once that yeah. moment's over it's over and then the future the future makes the past in that way right the future creates the past yeah yeah and and that's actually i hadn't even think thought about it that way but it's but that's absolutely uh, you know. <laughs> what it means is is uh yeah it's it's going to be totally different than what actually happened yeah yeah uh that's yeah the future creates the past that's something that's if 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 you were prescient that's something that you would say yeah absolutely <laughs> maybe i am prescient who knows um the other thing you mentioned was the dance as a language. Yeah, Odrade. I think I'm just going to find the ending of it quick. Um, with a sudden outflowing awareness, which she had experienced before only during the spice agony, Odrade saw through to the total pattern of what she had just witnessed in the Great Square. It had needed only Shiana's words and presence to make the thing clear. A language deep within the collective awareness of these people, they carried all unconsciously a language that could say things to them they did not want to hear. I I like this passage a lot because I I feel like it's the backbone of why Herbert deals with the breeding program. Um and We've we've brought this up before, and I th- I think especially in our our current climate, um, where there's like a very real resurgence of like the far right and Nazism to read through Dune and to think breeding program eugenics. Yeah, right. Like of course. Um, and we've had that conversation. So it, it's and it's not to say that that reading is wrong. It's not to say that that's not there. And it's not to say that um, that it, it cannot or should not be interpreted that way. But I think this this 
passage really made me think on why I think Herbert includes it and what he thinks about humanity. And it's this idea that in in this instance, in this microcosm where Odrade is watching this crowd, it almost feels like you could think of it as like watching all of humanity, the way that things ebb and flow and react to each other in these like unconscious unknown ways, but, but they still happen. It's like muscle memory, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, and Odrade, Odrade condenses this and thinks of it as a language. It's, it's something that people are not aware of, but that there is a communication happening, whether or not you're aware of it, it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Your awareness is secondary and irrelevant um but like similarly the genetics of humanity is its own language that by and large people don't understand and i think Mm -hmm. even in dune humanity is still going through this process of trying to learn it and like crack the code of its language yeah um you know but but essentially that that there is a communication between cells at this like microscopic, unknown, cryptic, magical universe level that Herbert is kind of like always musing on. He's like, well, like if we attain consciousness due to the inner workings of trillions of microorganisms that in our day-to-day lives we aren't even aware of really exist, I mean think of all the generations of humans who lived and died thinking that they were just a single slab of meat that was, was uniquely conscious and and perfect and died. Yeah. The reality of it is that we're like a Petri dish, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of yeah. countless numbers of tiny things that build to make up you as an aggregate. But like you're, you're really just your own super organism, you know? Yeah. And and Herbert is like, well, what if you understood the language that made humanity? And what if humanity itself tried to control that language? Yeah. That's fucking wild. So like and of course there's always going to be like an inherent danger and it's like, hey, even if it's even if Herbert wasn't thinking eugenics, like, then it's okay. It's like, yeah. well, there's it's still always like that kind of like playing God idea. It's like you should never really do it, right? No, like, no. It's kind I of mean, like the chair dogs. Like Herbert is, is like, well, what if people <laughs> were chair dogs, you know? Like, yeah, it's not good, I don't think. I don't think and so I'm either. I'm not sure if Herbert thinks it's good, but he's like always playing with it because like I think he can't help himself. I think he is like this he does have that very scientific mind where he's like, well, even if it's bad, it's like, well, could you do it? If you had this much time and enough, enough people trying to crack the code of existence itself, could you do it? And what would it look like to take the steps to get there? Yeah, no, I think you're, you're totally right. I think, uh, fuck, that's, that's such a crazy way to look at it that, yeah, I mean like that, the 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 ceremony that that future Sinoc is a microcosm of of what we are in in totality 
what humanity is is we are just ebbing and flowing and in, in, in this kind of this forever dance with each other you know that we're just railing around as one super organism as you said you know but we do we do we we, we cannot see it that way we we physically cannot see it that way we can't comprehend that that vast scope but what if and i think i think the danger of of trying to take control of that with such a limited human brain i think that leads to your hitlers and you know as great as the Bene Gesserit are and how trained they are and how knowledgeable they are and, you know, skillful they are. I think it's, I, I don't think it is totally divorced from like, like you said, that playing God mentality where they are in over their heads and like they think they know best for everybody. And, and it's, it, it's down to manipulation. They, they manipulate people for the, for their own ends. And, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're that you know that that doesn't it's 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 not uh it it's not worth yeah it's 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 does the means justify the ends that's I mean it's it's just it it always boil it always boils down to that question <laughs> we, we, we have got these yeah. big picture ideas right I and I, I think Herbert wants you to ask that question yeah yeah and I, I think if you were to like ask him though I think he would just be like. Eh. You know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like he I don't think he cares about the answer. He just wants you to ask the question. I agree. I agree. I I I think asking a question is is so much more powerful than actually giving a answer. Even if the answer is like don't ask the question, you know? Yeah. Uh, I I think just asking it and, and leaving open ended cuz cuz that way we we've got all these different avenues to go down. All these different possible answers to go down and explore. Um where whereas if if there was one singular answer, it would be a lot more limiting. Um, and I think that is that's definitely a huge theme that's that's being explored here in Heretics. Um, yeah, and and back to the, the 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 thought that all of these different groups are not, you know, good. They're 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 not purely good forces for humankind. Um, yeah that they are that they are all of them are are trying to play god in some sort of way and that kind of you know odrade watching this celebration is like it's it's almost like taking all of that out of the equation right and just watching just, just like just watching the human organism do its thing um from a totally neutral perspective with with like no intention no no intellectual thought or 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 uh plan and and just watching the ebb and flow of of humanity kind of do its thing without you know um right or wrong that's a great point and she even mentions when she's observing it like you know the 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 sisterhood like has this very analytical surface level knowledge of the the dance and the consequences of it like she knows what's happening as she sees it but like she she also sees being being a person being a human there and watching it with her own eyes 
it's you know she learns more from that than than any piece of paper or hollow film or shiga wire or whatever the fuck could tell her you know and and she's a character who's like always drawn back to her humanity so no matter how much training or separation she has uh no matter how much she knows the Bene Gesserit would want her to be viewing it through this like purely analytical lens she can't help but uh be swept up in the humanity of it you know um she's very susceptible to that in a yeah. way that like she views as a weakness but I, you know i think us as the readers are meant to be like well that's kind of what makes her powerful or that that Absolutely. could be what um what gives her a strength you know to to do something meaningful uh later on in the book who knows definitely but, i mean but, well, I, but I think you're totally right yeah that, um it's it's this like very distilled humanity and and she she's really just um like it there there's only really there, there's nothing else to do the only thing you could do is observe it it's mm-hmm. like so uh broken down to its essence there would nothing there there would be nothing to manipulate in that crowd it's yep. something that can only unfold like a wave exactly yep just yeah just just the way the 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 tide coming in you know the waves crashing on the shore um yeah i i think from that perspective it's you know it like that super organism idea of humanity too it's like i i think herbert is also kind of commenting like it's that there will always be um pockets of violence and and disturbance and unrest within like the whole of humanity you know that like yeah. a, like a static peace you know not only is it impossible uh but it's damaging to humanity we saw that through god emperor right yeah that, that yeah. to try and enforce you know if if every um priest guard in that crowd stopped the outbreak from happening and kept everyone standing still in like this like state of like you know containing their their energy and like a buzzing yeah um i think herbert would be like well that's worse than letting it unfold even though the violence will happen because yeah. the violence is is natural and uncontrollable yep yep and i i think that's the thing that like also makes a lot of people uncomfortable is like i think herbert's very willing to view humanity as animals yes yeah that um you know usually people feel more comfortable separating themselves from like you watch a nature documentary and you see animals tear each other apart and you're like well that's nature yeah if a person did that you're like well that's murder and you know i mean a lot (laughs) of do that too that happens right a lot of the times it is, you know, and yeah. there's very real reasons to why we would say, like, don't murder people. Right? Sure. It doesn't not not condoning murder here. Um, but it, it's more. But, a you know, sometimes you got to blow on, up on some steam. Sometimes you're having a bad day and you got to blow up some steam and you guys got to want to see a guy on the street. You want know, you like, I'm going to kill him. Just got to let it out before I go home to the wife and kids, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think we're we're quite there, but it's <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's that's so it's such a beautiful thing. It's sad and beautiful and scary. You know, it's it's a fucking celebration, right? There's there's dancers, there's people in the streets, people who who wouldn't get together normally just like celebrating what? They're celebrating being alive. And then that's kind yeah. of what happens is yeah, there are these pockets of violence and people dead and bloody or whatever, but it's it's and that's kind of what I was thinking like too like th- like w- as humans, we definitely have a history of violent dancing, right? Like that's that's yeah. not that's not an imaginary concept. Like No, it's not. Like think of fucking mosh pits even, right? Like Yeah. Like we we, we don't see that as ritualistic, but it absolutely is. Like, True. like that, that, that is kind of it, our animal nature is taking, taking, uh, charge there, you know, and, and just letting things go and, 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 uh, yeah, you know, following our base urges and, and it's, it's not, this is the, like, like you're, you're saying, this is not a declaration of, uh, what's right or wrong. It just, it, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. 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 I think the most interesting thing or well, not the most, but Something that's very interesting about it is at the end of it all, too, after the violence, when people are left to dust themselves off and react to it in, uh, you know, several different ways, like, you know, crying, laughing, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Odrade kind of thinks to herself, like, why did it even happen? Like, she can't really pinpoint a reason. You know, it's like the pretty much the dancers showed up and just some people in the crowd, like, threw some fucking dirt at them. Yeah. And it just, uh, you know, reached reached this breaking point. Like, like there was, like, a fucking bloodshed in the air, you know? Um, and Odrade can't come up with a reason there's not a reason i think that's kind of where she feels like it crystallizes as a language it's it's something that people don't even like deliberately choose to do it's it's kind of something that they're driven to do yeah um whether they realize it or not um but i think that was like one of the most uh like I don't know. One one of the most real and and grounded observations that Herbert could make because it's like so often when you do get a crowd together there is like that mob mentality, right? Yeah. And that you know violence will erupt inevitably. If you get enough people together, it pretty much will happen in in some pocket, in some place, even if it's not the dominating force. It somewhere, right? Somewhere it will. I mean, that's just proven in history, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, the most disappointing thing about this, in my eyes, is that, you know, so many years, millennia in the future, we are still at that point, right? We we, we, we have not evolved beyond that. Well, In, in so many ways we have, but... Yeah, but I, I think what you're saying is, is a really good continuation because it's almost like saying you can't 
expect humanity to evolve beyond that it's yeah. it's almost something it's like right it's like what's the reason why is there this violence and it's like well you're asking the wrong question there isn't really a why it's something that is going to happen like if if you were to find out what the why was you would crack the language code of you know human genetics you would mm. understand humans on a microscopic level and in, in a way that humans can't understand themselves yeah um to ask why it is is really kind of like futile um i think that's sort of what otrade comes to as a conclusion yeah you know, that it's yeah. the wrong question yeah because you're not going to get any kind of answer it's it's something that is ingrained in the nature in in some way or another as you know this this thing that um isn't even viewed as wholly bad you know it's like people really die in this crowd people like really get fucking killed but herbert makes a a, a very clear point to say that certain people will have different reactions to that, which yes. also goes back to the whole, like the interpretation of the truth and, and how that can be fractured and what it means. But like mm -hmm. some people are going to take that as, you know, a sad thing and they'll sit there and cry and some people will laugh and yeah. some people will go about their days and not yeah. even acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that that's, that's shown in the chapter. People are, are cracking up laughing. People are sobbing, you know, crying their eyes out. Uh, Shiana right. comes so in. Like, Shiana walks in laughing her ass off. Right. So, like, the violence itself isn't even unilaterally condemned. Yeah. It's 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 simply something that happens, and humans make their own reaction to it. Yeah. It's it's yeah. not it's it's not even really viewed as something that people do. It's like something that happens that like passes through humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of react and observe as you do. Like violence cannot be separated from man mm -hmm. essentially. I think Yeah. <laughs> been talking I mean, for a while, but I think that that's really all he's trying to say. I think so too and there's and that's I think there's not bad. That's not a bad thing. No. No. I mean that is just reality. It's also just a, it really is a, I don't know. That's pretty much a very libertarian uh, viewpoint to look at things from, you know, the human nature is greedy and violent and you'll always blah, blah, blah. I want to, you know, uh, fend for yourself, whatever. Um, yeah. So while I, view that as uh, pretty revolting um the the other you know organizations within this world this universe uh they they do strive for something better but unknowingly they are like repeating those same primal urges just on a grander scale you know with with a lack of physical with a lack of physicality you know um, they 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 are giving into violence and and encouraging violence just just you know with less bloodshed and more 
you know, mental and scientific manipulation. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. And it seems kind of like he thinks, you know, Herbert kind of sees it as like a kind of the same trap as prescience, right? Like we can get, we, we can advance and, you know, be masters of our body, masters of our mind, masters of space travel, but we can't get away from this, you know, violent instinct that's just so innate within us. We, we, we need to oppress somebody else. Like there's just, just this, this weird thing boiling inside that we have not gotten a hang of. And maybe, maybe if, if we did figure out why these, the these scenes emerge, we would be able to master that. But we're not there yet, and it it seems like an impossibility, even even millennia in the future. I can safely say I have nothing else to add to that. I think, <laughs> it, I, it's, I think that was very well said. Well, thank you. It just it's it's like you know you too. It's it's like just a very deeply fascinating subject that like we're not going to get to the bottom of. Um, but, but Herbert, you know, strikes on something that is like, I don't know, very active and, and like real inside of all of us that it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, he, he, he opens up these doors that are like just infinitely, you know, explorable, right? Like there's so many different concepts you can just dive into and just lose yourself within, and like, yeah, I think that's, sure. I think that may, that might be the, his greatest strength as a writer. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he, um, I, you know, we, interestingly enough, like, you know, spent a good amount of time with this podcast talking about God Emperor too. And I, to me, because that's the book that I've struggled with the most, I think that that is also the greatest showcase of that. Because even yeah. when I came up against things that I, you know, still, um, you know, grapple with or disagree with, um, it it either still caused me to pause and reflect or ask questions of, like, you know, why do I think he's wrong? Or, you know, even, you know, for the 80% rest of the book that I still thought was, like, pretty damn good... Um, you know, like what, what other questions is he getting you to ask that are worthwhile? Yeah. I mean, he's, he is kind of always, um, exploring this, this idea of, you know, humanity essentially. It's, it's, it's just one of those very classic. It's like, well, you know, it's, but it's more than just like, what does it mean to be human? It's like, you know, if if you could change humanity, would it even give you the answers you're looking for? Yeah, yep. Probably not. No, yeah, I think I think that's the conclusion. <laughs> is is most likely not. Um, yeah, but it but it never uh, <laughs> ceases to be interesting at the very yeah. least. <laughs> Dune's like, wouldn't it be cool to see the future? And Herbert goes, no. Yeah, <laughs> no, not, not really. No. <laughs> not not like you think it would be. Yeah, so. All right, man. Uh, damn. I, 
I don't know. I I wasn't expecting us to have uh, even at, this fucking podcast could have been an hour shorter. Oh yeah, easily. It would have been uh, an hour less interesting too. So absolutely uh, agreed. I we had some some uh, some good conversations. Yeah, yeah, fun. we did, and and I I think that just like the 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 evolution, I feel like of his writing within this book is that he he's so far been doing a great job at making this you know this this book like very very like um you know exciting like adventure wise but also you take a step back and it's it's very very uh deep too like like there's a lot of depth behind it but it's also very fast-paced uh yeah and and it very it really does oh i'm sorry i was talking over you You no it's okay no i mean i i was done it yeah it to your point it it really feels like the the best parts of children of dune and the best parts of god emperor yeah uh you know kind of come you know come together yeah definitely yeah yeah it, it it does show a real continuation and that that's a good point too. Like, not we'll we'll end the podcast here and not to get hung up on it, but like, you know, it's a good point even just to consider that to us these books, uh, you know, all existed before we were born. We we came into yeah. this world and the Dune books were here. But you know, there was a time when Herbert was his own man and he wrote these books in order. And it sounds fucking dumb to say, but like. It really is worth considering, like his his growth as as he did that, you know. As, Definitely, yeah. As he yeah. continued to engage with this universe and sharpen his own writing skills, you yeah. know, I think there is a real progression that you can see, a real pattern that he tries to make. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, so far, it this is uh, definitely. Uh, could even be considered, you know, a, a kind of peak. Like, it, yeah. if not like the highest point, if this were like a mountain range, this is like a very notable point to be climbing. Absolutely, even if yeah. it isn't the top. You know, who knows? So. I know. Yeah, we 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 have we we we're we're not sure of the top yet, but it's it's remarkably consistent, and and seems like the best of everything that's come before, which is very cool. Um but yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. And it, it's it's so funny because like this entire last chapter was just a, a a woman you know looking out from a windowsill, right? And and, and yeah, and watching a celebration. But there's so much more to it than than uh, what beats the eye. Yeah, there's there there really is a lot. It's it's crazy too. I I remember starting to read the chapter and Odrade is like, oh well, you know, I'm waiting for Shiana. They better hurry up. And even before I was done reading the chapter, one one thing I did pick up on, I was like, Shiana is not going to be in this chapter. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> this is going to purely be a chapter about waiting. Like yeah. it could yep. be so easy to write a chapter where a character is waiting, have the character enter midway and then yep. continue the chapter from. there. Oh, definitely. And it's not to say Herbert has had chapters like that. Like, yeah, but it's such a Herbert chapter to have an entire Oh yeah, section of this book dedicated to a character. Yep, waiting. Yep, and like you said, staring at a window, yep. and then just like musing on the nature of all humanity. Yeah, in existence. Yeah, like I mean, he it, he commits to it entirely and just kind of 
sees it through to a uh, very, very far-reaching, distant like point. But uh, that's where human minds go too when they're when they're staring off into the distance. So, uh, yeah, it's great. These these five chapters have been have been awesome. I'm uh, uh, still waiting for Duncan to come into the fold to to uh, come come on down to Rackus, but I think we're getting I think we're very close to that point. Yeah, it it feels like we're set up for that. So I think at the very least we can probably look forward to that in our next five chapters. Yeah, I think so. Um, anything else you want to add before I I uh, plug the plugs? I'm afraid if I said anything, we'd be here for another 20 minutes. Yeah, so I, that's I a, think you should just uh, plug away. Thank you. That's a very real risk. Um, yeah, you can email us at dunedudespod at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at dunedudespod. We're like the uh, the Eve Six guy, but, uh, you know, about Dune. Uh, we talk about Dune instead of the Heart and Blender song. Um we are at Corrupt TV on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, until next time. Uh, you can send in your applications for the Anti-Chortling League <laughs> to uh, to any of the uh, accounts that Connor just listed. Hell yeah. We, we are, we, we've already got some very impressive applicants, but yeah, uh, we, we encourage you all to send in your submissions. We, we will review and let you know on your uh, acceptance or, uh, uh, or not. Uh, yes. in due time so absolutely uh we are we are past two and a half hours so connor you were right i, f- I fucking you knew it oh boy <laughs> okay see you guys